Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. that time jersey we got into a little groove last year where we we said I, I think maybe more often than not the kansas city chiefs only play weird games and and frankly that i mean it's certainly that lasted through the super bowl week one though guys we didn't say that because it wasn't that weird the weirdest thing about the chiefs win over the houston texans was that it didn't feel all that strange uh, Nate Taylor, Seth Kaiser here with me. I'm Joshua Briscoe. Nate, I'd like to get your opinion on if you are back on a particular train about when, how, and where the Chiefs succeed on the football field. Guys, they only play weird games. They only play weird games. We're back, baby. It's incredible how before kickoff, you could just be like, Yep, this is gonna be a weird one, guys. Like, like, like if it, like, I just imagined someone in the NASA command center being like, "All right, folks, um, it's gonna get a little weird. I, I don't know what's gonna happen. There could be aliens, for all I know. But um, Tyrod Taylor's chest hurts, and anything is off on the table now. All our predictions, throw them out the window. Um, yeah, guys, this this is gonna get a little nutty, a little nutty, and uh, there's no fans and. I mean, I guess if the best football player in the league has to take things into his own hands, I mean, sure. But, like, yeah, for 30 minutes, it was just the weirdest football game of all time. Um, Shout out to, you know, our lovely listeners, our tremendous fan support. There was a lot of discussion at halftime that I, you know, choose to generate on Twitter. And, uh... You know, there's just there's just there's just the the ability to know that like as I send this tweet as to what does everybody think, I just know some people are gonna know what the right answer is. And you know <laughs> they you know, some people are just some people are just really, you know, adaptive to the idea that like the Chiefs only play weird games. So that that was given to me several times. Thank you all for your submissions, and it was nice to say they, they only play weird games, and even our colleague, Lindsey Jones, uh, one of our national NFL writers, was like, they're the Seahawks of the Midwest, and I was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, here here we are, the Chiefs are 2-0, and as we all predicted, yet they got here in the most um, strange way possible. Now, uh, Seth, I am getting a report right now. Hold on, I'm, uh, I'm. You can't see this because it's a podcast, but I have my uh, my hand up over my ears if I'm listening to an earpiece. I am hearing the Chiefs only play weird games. We now go to Seth Kaiser uh, from a lake house in Minnesota. Seth, uh, can you confirm this report on location? I I can confirm. I'm also um, hearing from the seagulls that are circling and eyeing me in a way that I'm not super comfortable <laughs> with. That there is one man 
One man who stands above the rest in the NFL. One man. There is one man who is the single best football player, not just in the NFL, but in the universe. In some, on the other side of the universe, where there's some planet where they play something really close to football, this man is still better than anyone on that other side of the universe. And you know who that man is? Who is Harrison it, Butker. Oh, Harrison yes. Butker. Yes. There is no one 350-plus yarders in a row, and he nailed all of them. Can you all imagine Can you imagine coaches watching that? They must think, like, I mean, do we try to ice this guy? And just shout out to Anthony Lynn for the old, I'm going to ice the kicker by calling timeout right before the play to give him a practice kick. Coaches. Yeah. Coaches, we got to talk about this, and we've got so much to cover because the real best player in the universe is Patrick Mahomes, and I just <laughs> wrote about him in the newsletter. And I mean, just Ooh, on- it, it, it's sorry, dude. It's risky to say that like, underneath a bunch of seagulls right now because Russell Wilson <laughs> is also very good. <laughs> Russell Wilson, wise. Russell Wilson is great. He's They're not letting very, him cook. They are letting they him are, cook, and he, he is was incredible un- last he's night. Unbelievably good. But I, I just. I've watched a lot of Russ Wilson, and I really You're do get think on. I do think toe to toe by those birds. I do think toe to toe, and we'll we'll circle back to this because I got to finish my shout out to Anthony Lynn and to coaches. Sorry on these these yes, decisions. I think toe to toe, Russ Wilson is as good a quarterback as Patrick Mahomes. I just don't think he quite has that same. And I'm quoting Eric Bieniemy here. I don't think he's quite as much of a competitive prick as Patrick Mahomes. I don't. I don't think is. I want you to think about Russ Wilson's career, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's mm-hmm. made so many brilliant throws. I really think he's as good as Mahomes on a week to week basis when he's allowed to cook, and that is the highest compliment I could pay a quarterback because Mahomes Absolutely. is unbelievable. Although Aaron Rodgers is right up there again this year. That dude is tired of your crap, whoever yeah, you he, are. He, he freaking hates Jordan Love. <laughs> Jordan Love just. <laughs> Hey Jordan, you... don't don't even don't even come to the facility this year, dog. There's oh, no, no point. Talk, no, There's no, no point. on the contrary, they should hang a picture of Jordan Love <laughs> in both end zones in Green Bay and put quarterback of the future in there. And Aaron Rodgers will throw seventy touchdowns this year. I have never seen. Remember, <laughs> we but like, about... but Jordan, Jordan, you're, why are you putting the uniform on, dog? Why? Why? Jordan, What's the point Jordan, of putting the uniform hey, on? Hey, hey, Jordan, today for practice, we're gonna let you wear 12 and we're gonna put Rodgers in a different uniform because <laughs> we want to just remember we talked about this weeks and weeks ago that people drastically underestimate the value of screw you energy yep Aaron yeah. Rodgers has that in a fiery pit in his stomach mm. right now that is motivating him to burn the NFL to the ground so we got three dudes between Mahomes Wilson and Rodgers, who are playing quarterback at an unbelievably high level. But Rodgers does have that screw you energy. Mahomes, I don't think it's quite as, like, mean. <laughs> but it is, like, <laughs> like you see it on, like, on, the, on that 21-yard on that scramble. Russ Wilson has made a lot of 21-yard scrambles. He has. Mm-hmm. But have you ever seen him just like, well, I need 20 yards. I'm getting 21, and nothing this stupid safety bonkers. at the end does is going to stop me. And it just, incredible. it's just different, right? Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I know we're going to talk about all this, but first, Anthony quick, Lynn. Sorry. coaches. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Lynn did a lot of mystifying things. I'm going to let Nate talk about some of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so bad. So many mystifying decisions. But the one thing, you're giving a professional kicker a practice kick. 
You're giving him the exact, like a perfect scenario, right? One problem for kickers is they can just warm up on the sidelines, kicking the ball into a net. What you're giving him is a practice kick exactly where the ball will be in the exact wind conditions. Have you ever seen this work where they make the first one and miss the second one? Not anymore. <laughs> I said if I could go the other way, even like or push even farther, if I was a team with the timeout in a situation like that, I might get in Harrison's ear and be like, hey man, you want to practice quick here? I'll call a timeout right before you guys snap it, and I'm gonna just get you a warm-up. Yeah. That might not be a bad strategy for the kicking team. I know, but not for the opponent and not Certainly when it's not Harrison. Butker, I almost said something I shouldn't have there, who is just <laughs> ice water in his veins. That guy, when he is real thirsty and at the beach, he cuts himself and takes a drink of the delicious ice water that flows out. That got weird, but that's okay. Wow. What? He is just... Gross. He just does not care about what... Is he a what? vampire? He, he might yes. as well be. <laughs> He's a self-feeding vampire, and it is unbelievable. And I got my four-year-old in the room with me now. Lucas, is Harrison Butker the best kicker in the universe? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, yeah, buddy. Oh, thank you so I, much. Uh... I, I tweeted this at the time, and I'm sticking by it. I think we have to stop with the, the buttkicker.com. It's now buttkicker.gov because he's the president of football. Like, this is – he's now – he is the captain now. It's un, it's unbelievable. Like, I, you know, I think this show enjoys, generally speaking, talking about Patrick Mahomes. But he didn't just hit the 358-yarders at the end of the game. He also hit one – Early in the yes. game, they ended up bringing them within one possession, yes. which they ended up getting back in one possession. That was a gutsy call. Like, that was a risk. Kicking that ball, I expected them to punt there. I went 58, all right, I guess Dave Tobe said he could do it from 60. Butker said after the game that he hit one from 70 at halftime. Yes. The Chiefs need to build a dome. The Chiefs need to build a dome with no wind, and they just have to get past the 50 to get three points every time. Right, and, and this goes back to... to um, I'm assuming one of our subscribers, good listeners, uh, Dylan O'Deal, he was a guy who sort of suggested, hey, the, the Chiefs only play weird games at halftime. Shout out to Dylan. Um, but this is even like the weirdest part. It's like, okay, man, if you if you do it, if you give him one kick, understandable, I guess. Um, shout yeah. out to Nick Allegretti, who's like, you know what? Let's make this harder, kids. <laughs> like, why why would I why would I want him to make a 53 yarder when you can make a 58 yarder? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna fall start. Then Anthony Lynn there earlier. It's good for him. Th yeah. Then Anthony Lynn is going to call a timeout. Shout out to Anthony Lynn, um, sir. There are no fans in the building. It is <laughs> literally like a practice. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's there's no wind. Um, the conditions could not be more perfect, sir. Um, mm -hmm. Sure, like just no fans. Sure, there's pressure, but really, it all kind of favors Harrison because you know. I think even if he misses, there's only two minutes left. Who knows if the Chargers actually, like, move the football down the field. They basically stopped doing that um, mm -hmm. for most of the fourth quarter. And so it's just like, uh, uh, uh. but the best part was um, Harrison saying on the Zoom call after the game, uh, every time he had to kick it, once he learned that he had to kick it again, he just became more angry. <laughs> like, he <literally laughs> yeah. yeah, became more angry, he said. And so, I guess, um, if the Chiefs need a 70-yarder at some point this season to win the game, somebody needs to get in Harrison Bucker's ear and just make him, like, flaming angry. Like, 
like raising of the gods angry, uh, to, to make sure that his leg will swing the ball so hard that it could go 70 su- you know such yards um but yeah i mean this is what i'm going to write today in the athletic and hopefully people will will listen to this and then check it out but it's just like guys um i know we usually think of the splash brothers in the nba as steph curry mm-hmm. and clay thompson what if I told you um, the NFL's newest version of Splash Brothers is Patrick Mahomes and Harrison Bucker, okay? <laughs> on one end, a dude can roll to his right on one foot, throw a ball 55 yards in the air, and on the other end of the court or the field is a dude just ready to make a 60-yard field goal on command. Like, yeah. they take the longest instances and make them look relatively easy. Um, So... Guess what, kids? You used to think, hey, we're going to bend and don't break, boys. Just bend. Keep bending. <laughs> but don't you break. Just get in don't the red zone me. and don't bend. To now where it's like, all right, fellas, we can't let them pass the 50-yard line. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah. No more. No more, boys. No more. We got to bend and not break past half of the field. <laughs> Which you you have impossible. to keep the basketball. You, you have to press. You cannot play half a, a half court game because once once they get the ball past half court, someone's gonna be open. It's just it's just like if he if, if Harrison Bucker and he's sort of said that his goal this year is to make the Pro Bowl. Obviously, there's a guy in Baltimore really really good at his job too. Um, mm-hmm. But if he keeps making fifty plus yarders look normal, then then the Chiefs' offense is almost virtually unstoppable from getting points on any possession as long as they don't create penalties, as long as they don't drop the football, as long as they don't do something really, really weird to themselves. Mm -hmm. Because the Chargers have been the best team in the division since Patrick Mahomes has taken command of the team to be at their best to defend him, to make it as hard as possible. But... Within all of that, it's still, you know, mesmerizing to some degree that, you know, the Chiefs could play poorly for, you know, essentially three quarters of a football game. And yet, you know, much like the Golden State Warriors of their day, you know that that three barrage is coming. Like, it's coming. You can't stop it. You can only hope to, like, withstand it. And Patrick Mahomes has now perfected the comeback victory, guys. Um, he's done it six straight times when the Chiefs have been down double digits. Joe Montana never did it. Tom Brady's never done it. Uh, Russell Wilson, God bless him, never done it. No quarterback in NFL history has done this, y'all. Are we down 10? <laughs> Fine. I'll win it anyway. Like, who Like who is this person? Um, you know, it's just you, I keep reading stats after these games, and it's just like, huh. Well, I never thought of that. I didn't know they kept track of that. And, huh. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I guess. I mean, he was the youngest quarterback to be Super Bowl MVP. Sure. Now he's the best quarterback ever in comeback game situations. If consecutive streaks. Cool. (laughs) Like, he's better than Joe Montana at this? What? (laughs) He's better than John Elway at this? Huh? He's better than Tom Brady? What? Everyone. He's everyone. better than everyone at this? He's only 25. Like, what are we he, doing? He is better than everyone. I, and that's that's the thing where I separate him from, from Russ Wilson. Okay? Because he doesn't just have – most quarterbacks have 
you know, that comeback gene, or they've got this freakish physical talent, or they've got that unbelievable mental acumen for the game, or they're great scramblers, or they're incredibly accurate, or they have arm talent. They have a blah, 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 blah. There's literally <laughs> nothing that Patrick Mahomes isn't great at. I will say, and I'm going to write about this later in the film breakdown, he probably could have helped his tackles out a little bit more. By not dropping back like nine yards, it's like mm-hmm. I'm gonna drop back away from the pressure. Joey Bosa, like it was. It, I'm assuming that was a thought process, but he, I just so I charted this and you know to to break down the fourth wall. If you guys didn't already, I may or may not have had to walk away for a couple minutes to deal with some dad stuff. So if you already said this, I'm sorry, but I wrote about this today in the fourth quarter in overtime. Mahomes was 15 of 21. And that was with one blatant drop and one of the best throws he's made ever. To Clyde, to Clyde. was it the one? Oh, and that <laughs> what a catch too, man! Yeah. That that was just like that was so pretty. When that penalty called it back, I was irrationally angry because that throw to Clyde was so good, and that that catch was so good. And then they called it back, and that was when I was like, oh, maybe it's really not their day. And then of course, two plays later, he's like, fine, I'll do it myself, you jerks. And just ran for 21 yards. But so with despite having things go against him, the took away stats, 15 to 21 for 178 yards, a touchdown, a two-point conversion, another 29 yards scrambling. He just – and that's in two quarters. Well, like a quarter and a, and a half, quarter and two-thirds. He just yes. takes over. And that's where – he, is he a perfect quarterback? No, because there's no such thing as a perfect quarterback. Is he precisely what you would build in a lab to play quarterback? Yes. Yeah. There's just nothing he can't do, and that's where you're like. That's where I, I what I think differentiates him from Wilson, who is as good as he is at a bunch of things and a better pure deep ball thrower. Because Russ Wilson is, I mean, he just he be, co- he be cooking, man. He, he be, be cooking. cooking. He drops dimes from when he's got any sort of pocket and he's throwing deep. I mean, it's unbelievable how good he is at it. So to say Mahomes isn't quite as good consistently at that, that's not an insult to Mahomes. Wilson's one of the best deep ball throwers I've ever seen. But he does not have that, oh, we're down 10? What? Uh, I'm sorry, what? We're down 10? Oh, well, I, I guess someone ought to do something about that, huh? <laughs> and he just goes... Between- <laughs> but between your Russell Wilson slander, your uh, previous love of Aaron Rodgers being a top three quarterback, and also what you said privately to me before the show, which is the Chiefs would have lost this game if they didn't use that first round pick on Clyde Edwards-Alaire, all I can think of at this point is how much I hope Ben Baldwin doesn't listen to this show. <laughs> Danielle, Danielle, send him, send him the file. <laughs> send me Ben. Bring Ben, unleash Ben, bring him to me. Well, I, man, I am Thor arriving in Wakanda with that. Bring me Baldwin. I look I, as far as you know, the idea. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Oh man, he would. Well, no, his position right now. Um, and Ben is a, a friend of the show. Awesome yep. stats guy. I think he's a friend of me and Nate. You know, that's what I would say. <laughs> he uh, he. He he goes he he his new stance now with Rodgers is that we've internet bullied him into being the quarterback that he should be, <laughs> which is so funny. We, we we also did it to the Seahawks for sure. I think that right now two of the three best quarterback stretches in the league right now are because of the internet, which is great. Yeah, yeah. I, I was t- I was telling <laughs> yes. Holly yesterday, you know, 
there's not this doesn't happen mostly you know it's like hey you you're screaming at your local mayor hey man <laughs> do this and you're just screaming at the mayor for like two straight years. And the mayor's like, I mean, I get it, but you know, there's a lot of we gotta have a balance. You know, we gotta we gotta set yeah. the budget. We gotta figure out this, we gotta figure out that. Look, I know you want this one specific issue that makes our town better than all the other towns. But like, come on, man, from a from a political structure system, I have to be you know, I have to be willing to to to, to extend my hand to all my you know uh, constituents. And you're just like but his name is Russell Wilson, and he <laughs> needs to be our town's chef, sir. Like, <laughs> what? What are, what are we doing? And then for two years, the guy's like, well, I guess I'm re- up for re-election. I mean, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll let him, I'll appoint him lead chef. And then tourism went through the freaking yes. roof, people. <laughs> That's what has happened in Seattle. Now, thankfully, if you're a Chiefs fan, your town is already immaculate your town is already led by i don't know a chef a mayor uh like the best medicine in the city that like (laughs) cure all nfl you know problems i guess you know even in a pandemic that she's still great at football because like your guy is just better than everybody else's but like the the perception and i have the best treasurer on the planet by the way yeah of course so like i just hope that like we get to february and that you know Football's still occurring, and that we're in the Super Bowl. It would be great if it was, you know, Seahawks versus Chiefs. Obviously, everybody would mostly, you know, feel okay with that. Sorry, Baltimore fans. But, like... God, no. Oh, I would love that. Oh, that game would be harrowing. (laughs) But, but I mean, it's just, like, for for two years, like, the mayor of Seattle was like, I mean, we could, but, like, you know, I'm just trying to figure out this and that and like what about the education system and they're like the education system will be fine because we will be feeding the kids the proper nutrition <laughs> meal necessary for success because russell wilson needs to be the top chef <sighs> that's very good we should we should do a seahawks podcast also uh but since we're not let's let's circle back to specifically the first three quarters that we would probably rather not really talk about because we got the good oh, stuff at the beginning there. oh I'm, I'm all for it i'm all for it do you Excellent. Do you do you want a defense that it looked at zero tape of Justin Herbert? Zero <laughs> yeah, kids. Mean, zero. <laughs> I I imagine I mentioned this several times last night on the post game show on eight ten. But like I I uh, desperately hope that you or one of our esteemed colleagues will ask Spags like, hey man, did you like look at any Maybe. Justin Herbert tape at all? The only tape that's out there, Josh, is from Hard Knocks. That's the only tape. Right. Right. And, and like, we, we've talked before about, like, teams playing the secret quarterback thing and, like, oh, at least make them prepare for two guys or whatever. That's all fine and good, but no one ever really lands that plane. No one's ever really surprised whenever the quarterback takes the first snap. Everybody was surprised. I think the center might have been surprised whenever he whenever he snapped the back and we went back to go, hey, sorry, Tyrod. I, what? <laughs> Hold on. What happened to Tyrod? <laughs> like, I, that was- I've never seen anything like that, ever. And we hope Tyrod is is obviously healthy. Of course, I know he went to the yeah, hospital. Yeah, he went to the hospital last night. Um, if you want more information on that, you should get, check out Daniel Popper, our Chargers writer for the Athletic. I mean, again, very weird situation. He had like I don't, I don't I can't remember if he was on the injury report, but obviously he had taken a hit in the opener against the Bengals, and so that sort of complicated things. But it is uh, it'll be interesting to see what or to hear what Tyrod says as to what 
led to the reaggravation of his injury, um, the the chest pain he suffered. Because you could tell on the on the CBS broadcast, like right as Herbert's like taking his first NFL snaps, like Tyrod just looks miserable um, yeah. in uniform. And then they put yeah. him back into the locker room, and then he obviously went to the hospital. He's been um, he's been he's back home, I think, right now uh, as of Monday morning. But like, yeah, it's just, I mean it's it's like taking a test and just being given a completely different subject matter. <laughs> yeah. I just what the Chiefs did in holding that offense down to 20 points given the arm talent that Justin Herbert showed um and some of the like, you know, the Chargers were calculated in their aggression when they wanted to take shots downfield. I would have, you know, it would have been interesting to see if they'd taken more shots downfield, but then Justin Herbert made like, I don't know, a rookie, he's like, hey, a rookie finally made a rookie pass. He had two horrible mistakes in a game that was otherwise, like, really, really good. I was impressed. Yes, very I, impressed. Also, for the record, you mentioned, like, not preparing for, for him at all. Like, that probably plays a part. Also, I'm, I've am i said many times how impressed I was by him. I also, whenever I saw that happening, I was very much not expecting to be impressed. And so maybe maybe my, my skepticism ended up playing in, in his favor there, but, like, yeah, he had two. He took a sack that he absolutely should have thrown the ball away on. Yep, and then he threw that pick that he oh. should have just jogged for and, a first down. And, and that pick, like brutal. Oh man, and and that type of play is what I think the league was afraid of with Mahomes. And not that Herbert's as talented. Right. But I'll tell you, Herbert made some big boy throws. Like yeah, he did. And, and he mean, probably won't make that. He probably won't throw that pick again. Like well, that's yeah, probably that's a, like that right. should be a mistake you make once. And that was the beginning of the end for them because that's when the Chiefs scored a touchdown. Uh, yeah. coming back and it's just like man you cannot you can't give the ball back because like you said he he could have jogged for that first down and then some another five ten yards and yeah it was bad that that, that was so bad but overall i gotta tell you i was pretty impressed i but you, like you yeah, said nate there's just no tape there i would just say though it's easier for a quarterback to look good when the team up until the fourth quarter Actually, I'd say more until overtime, honestly. Apparently, the Chiefs' defense had a meeting prior to the game. What did they do at that meeting? Well, they talked about tackling <laughs> and whether they were pro or con tackling. <laughs> and I don't know who took the side of the cons, but that person must have delivered a fiery oration that was just so utterly convincing. I, look, I don't know what happened. And I get Austin Eckler's a stud. I, he's a great, he's a, he's yep. a great running back. I think he's really good. But like, they were just missing tackles all over the field. And even when they were making tackles, they were making the, those sort of tackles that provide no satisfaction for the viewer or the defense. Where it's like, yeah. hey, we hit him two yards after the line of scrimmage, and then he fell down another four yards for a six-yard gain. And mm -hmm. I just. Man, that was really hard to watch. Like, uh, more than anything else. And, man, Nate, I actually spent a little time while you are talking. Look at the replies to your, well, it's halftime. What do you all think? <laughs> <laughs> it's just so innocent. It's like, what do you guys think? And then, and then oh, but and then, then you quote tweeted me, by the way. Mm -hmm. Just a lot of game left, Kaiser. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm just freaking out. Leave me alone. 
So I apparently I, I try like, to bring sensibility and logic <laughs> and a calming influence. On Twitter? To- Are you drunk? <laughs> it was the it was the gentlest I've ever been dunked on in my life. It's like you dunked right over me, then like caught the ball coming out of that and very gently like kind of hopped down to earth. Like, hey, you cool? We all right? All right. Okay. But I the tackling. They got to figure that out. And I, I know Hill talked after the game. Hill's a pretty honest dude in terms of, like, he'll say things that I'm guessing the team would rather he not say occasionally mm-hmm. that maybe reveals a little something about the pulse of the team. And one of them was, man, without without fans in there, we just – we it was – there was no energy. And I'm curious about the truth in that. Uh, maybe even on the defensive side of the ball. But, like, I man, they just weren't tackling. And, and I, I know they won – but since we're talking about the defense, the linebacker stuff is starting to get to me. I like Anthony Hitchens. He's a smart guy. But if you're a thumper and guys are falling forward four yards after you hit them, that's bad. You know? Yeah. If you're supposed to be – if you're big thing – this is the same for Damian Wilson. If you're yeah. – if the team is supposed to accept your limitations in coverage because you're a smart player, you better be hitting that hole on time every time against the run. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. Yep. And that's concerning. Um, I understand, you know, the the response to, the, to that is going to be like, free Willie Gay! And it's like, look, I, I don't know why they're not playing him. I do I think do. if I... <laughs> but go ahead, Sam. <laughs> I don't even know what to say now. I would like, you know what? I would like Seth not to go ahead. I would like to tag Nate Taylor in. Yeah, I'm going to tag in. I just got, I just got even flowed in the middle of the ring by Raven. That's a good WCW reference for wrestling fans. I just got even flowed in the middle of the ring and managed to drag myself to the corner. And while falling down, I tagged in Nate. Nate, come in here and start (laughs) clotheslining some fools. Take the flock out. Go just do a. Something on Saturn. Dang it, I couldn't think of a wrestling move. <laughs> flock, he said. Flock. Yeah, Ravens, Ravens Flock. You, you, no, you, you're you, too young to remember WCW when it was at its heyday there, there man. I, was, honestly, you said WCW, and I thought he probably doesn't mean Women, cru- women Crush Wednesday, but like that's what I thought. <laughs> no! Oh, see, I'm you seven missed years out. Old. I'm Nate, seven years old. I get it. I know. Nate, back me up here. WCW, it had a – it was – it, it didn't last long, but it burned bright when it burned. Oh, of course it did. But I, I just want to <laughs> say, you know, since we since Josh mentioned it, shout out to uh, Maya Rudolph. Shout out to Catherine O'Hare. Anyway, now, <laughs> with Willie Gay Jr. Okay, kids, listen to me. Everybody, everybody, you know, my kid's going through virtual kindergarten right now. Everybody mute your mics and listen, okay? Now... Willie Gay is wildly talented. He had a deflected punt, guys. I know you all are thinking... Put him on the field. Nothing about Willie Gay Jr. season matters until November, okay? This is just how it's going to go. I know you don't like hearing that. He may see more snaps in October. But essentially, in dark moments, quiet moments, moments that are not been made public, it's just apparent to me that Steve Spagnuolo wants to take things slowly with Willie Gay Jr., just like you would with any new blossoming relationship. So what that means is <laughs> Ben Neiman's going to take a lot of cover snaps, he was okay to some degree against Hunter Henry. There were other snaps where he wasn't. Um, <laughs> Seth mentioned that, you know, Damian Wilson, pretty good linebacker on a cost-effective contract. You're going to try to max out that bad boy as best you can. Um, Anthony Hitchens had a stinger yesterday. Uh, Wilson got through the concussion protocol. Cool. Willie Gay was on the field for, I think, like a smidgen 
of, of defensive snaps based on those two injuries. He had six, which is two more than Dorian O'Daniel had. So that, well, that, hey, hey, it. you know, we're, 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 it's a it's a slow Moving rise, kids. It's a slow rise. Look, these guys are veterans. They're healthy, mostly. They're going to play. Um, it's going to take time to, one, adjust to the speed of the game. Two, understand Sp- Steve Spagnuolo's defense because a lot of the responsibility, I think the two biggest responsibilities on the defense outside of what Tyron Matthew does, because, like, he's in a whole different, like, universe. But the two hardest spots on the defense, from my understanding, is at the defensive end position and at linebacker, because you're just asked to do a lot. You're asked to literally go sideline to sideline. You're asked to drop back. You're asked to blitz if you're a linebacker. You're just asked to do a lot of different things. And based on the formation, based on the personnel, based on the down and distance, based on the coverage scheme behind you, based on the call and what your responsibilities are, both primarily and secondarily. Are you listening to all the things I'm saying right now? It might be hard to be a you know a rookie linebacker who had no preseason games to all of a sudden go out there and play at a very high level or at a consistent level. I guess is the better way of saying this. Like if Willie Gay Jr. played right now, there would be clearly highlights. There would be eye popping moments, but there could also be uh, rookie mistakes where it's like, ooh yeah. So I mean, it's gonna happen. Like. I don't even think Legereus need needs to be brought up in this discussion because that's a whole other thing. He's sort of forced to play those snaps right now because of injuries, because of a suspension. But for Willie Gay, it's about a slow process, getting things correct, understanding what his role is, then letting that talent come through with the mental side of it all being, you know, as best as you can as a rookie. And then understanding, too, um, he will matter in November. December, January, and Lord willing for the Chiefs, early February. Nothing between now and October really matters for Willie Gay Jr. Other than, like, hey, being good on special teams, not making a colossal mess, you know, and just letting it get to the point where, like, he knows everything as best you can, and now you can put him out there with more trust from a veteran defensive coordinator who, by the way, helped y'all win a Super Bowl with the linebackers that were on the field yesterday. So he has trust in those guys. He's building trust with Willie Gay Jr. It's just going to take time. It's week two out of a 16-game season, folks. Again, I know I'm trying to bring logic, calming influence, you know, just a little bit of insight to the situation that has you screaming on your couch on Sundays. I get it. But, like, this is the situation with Willie Gay Jr. Nothing matters until November unless there is some injury involved that we don't foresee at the moment. And I, that's that's what I figured, and I get it. I get it. <laughs> I, 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 it's a, hey Seth, it sounds like you might not really get it. No, no, I get it. I just like I if I were to and again, Spagnolo has done a great job. And look, when it counted in overtime, you want to know the difference between the 2018 Chiefs and the 2019 Chiefs and the 2020 Chiefs, right? The Steve Spagnolo era versus They didn't break. The the Bob they didn't Sutton, actually break. They didn't break. Well, they did early. They broke but they also yeah know, yeah yeah. But- I was the one I was sitting there on Twitter defending the defense most of the game because it felt like the Alex Smith days all over again, where the defense has given up 17 points by the time you know the fourth quarter comes around, and everyone's like, mm-hmm. oh, the defense sucks. It's like, man, look at the ob- punt, 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 field goal, punt, and it's like, I think that's probably the bigger issue here. So yep. uh, you you make a good point on that. It's just. So you, you gave a good example with Legarius Sneed, right? That he yep. probably wouldn't be on the field if it weren't for injuries. Correct. And the thing the and, and the thing for me is that he's playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And 
sometimes I think, and again, I'm very grateful Spagnolo's in Kansas City. I think if there were one thing that I wish I could and you know kind of wrench out of him a little bit, I think he's a little conservative when it comes to trusting perhaps more physically talented players over players who know his system and, and are smarter. Sound. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. their technique sounds smarter. I think he's a little conservative when it comes to that. I would shift it a little bit. Um, but you know, he look, he's in a much better position to know. But like to me, I think the Chiefs are better off with Legarius Sneed out there than Rashad Fenton. You know, and mm-hmm. and and so what's going to be interesting to me? You you want to see people freak out? Um, we're getting Bashad Breland back in Week Five. Hopefully, Charvarius Ward's back against Baltimore. Um, who knows though? Um, when they're both back, I'm really curious what they do with Snead. Because people are going to lose their minds if Snead comes in plays well. And, and to be clear, look, I've looked at the film. Snead's been decent. He hasn't been, like, amazing. He's been good. Like, in week one, he was he was good. He wasn't amazing. So we, we got to be careful here. Plus, there's a high variance with young corners. But, man, can you imagine the freakout if when Breland comes back and Ward comes back, Snead goes to the bench? <laughs> I guess, but, like, I can't even prepare myself for that because I feel like that would be very silly. I, like, I, I I don't think there's any way that Snead takes Bashad Breland's job. I don't think there is. No, and I don't think that he should. Yeah. Are we? Are, do we need to lay the groundwork on that ahead of time? Is that what? Is that what you're saying? Should we? Should we prepare people that that shouldn't happen? I, or do I don't you think, think it should happen. Breland can play, okay. and he's consistent. Yes. Ward can play; he's consistent. I'm talking that third spot, which you know, Ward and Breland are not slot guys. Um, right. Sneed's more athletic. And maybe Sneed could play the slot. Yeah. He played safety a bunch in college because he's, he's versatile. Yeah. So that that maybe could be – that could maybe happen. I just – so it's more of just a general commentary when it comes to how Spagnolo does things. He clearly values football intelligence, which, you know, look, I'm talking about two-time Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator Steve Spagnolo, right? Well, three-time, mm-hmm. right? Uh, no, two-time. Mm-hmm. The yeah. second time he wasn't around anymore, I don't think. Anyway. Uh, with the Giants. Yeah, I think he might have gone to St. Louis yeah. after the first one. Actually. So, I, I mean, obviously he knows a ton about defense. He's he's schemed up a lot of stuff. you got to remember, I mean, they did a pretty decent job overall in a tough circumstance with their best run defender out, missing their top two cornerbacks. I just wish, and again, this is easy for me to say because my experience is not nearly as much as his. I get what he's doing and I get why, but it still makes me just like, feel squishy inside just a little bit <laughs> when I see squishy. Yeah. When I see Eckler or whoever hit that gap and, and the linebackers are two tenths of a second late. And so mm. it's a six or seven yard gain and not, and that's the big thing with it. Spagnolo, I think is, he needs to see better from Hitchens and Wilson. I'm sure he knows that. Right. Like they got to They got to at least wrap up. You got to make these tackles. And that's one thing I think they miss about Reggie Ragland, who was is even slower than Hitchens and Wilson. But one thing about Ragland, when he got when his hands dude, on you, we, it was over. Like it didn't matter who the running back was. I don't recall seeing him miss any tackles. Like he might get juked out by like a quick dude, but once he got his hands on, that was it. The play stopped. If he hit you at the thirty yard line, the play stopped at the thirty yard line. Yeah, and, and and I will say this too, like real quick. I know some people may be listening to us and say, "What about Juan Thornhill last year? He was a rookie, second round pick, played all sixteen games. Obviously, did an incredible job." 
I will say in in two ways. One, he had Tyron Matthew, an amazing player. That makes things a lot easier for the other safety. And two, um, Juan Thornhill was forced to play safety because have you seen the Chiefs safeties last year? Um, <laughs> again, slightly different than what Willie Gates is doing right now, which is you have a you have a a linebacker with star salary in Anthony Hitchens, um, a guy who did pretty well in covers last year in Ben Neiman, although that is, can fluctuate obviously for this year, and Damon Wilson who is, again, cost-effective veteran who knows the system and played well, particularly in the postseason last year. So you, you give those guys longer leashes, and when things develop, you know, I'm assuming Willie Gay will, will, will have more defensive snaps as the season goes along. There you go, uh, Josh. Thank you. Uh, while you guys were doing that, I was photoshopping something that I'm going to tweet out momentarily that uh, is based on something that one of you said earlier that I am uh, pretty happy with. It's very stupid. Cannot it's not wait. quite uh, everybody loves Draymond. But it's not a lot smarter than that. <laughs> there's, there's your tease uh, on that front. Um, I, I don't want to go back to the offensive side just yet. Let's 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 circle back on the corners real fast because you you mentioned all of the the guys that are currently out. Also, Antonio Hamilton left this game with a groin injury. Bo Pete Keys was active. Um, in fact, I should double check. I don't think I ever saw him actually on the field I'm checking the snap count right now yeah I got nothing from him so I think even once they went down to only having Fenton and Sneed uh, it must have all been Matthew in in slot after that or a lot of there's a lot of dance there's some well there's too much Daniel Sorensen bouncing off of Hunter Henry after the catch wasn't mm. my favorite he he can't cover but, Hunter Henry he can't no that's that's a good take that I happen to agree with, but, um, <laughs> but both keys didn't play, uh, even though he was active. We, we, we kicked this around slightly before the show. Uh, Seth and I were talking about this a little bit. I know that you're annoyed by like people being upset about, uh, the chiefs cornerback position. Like you, people shouldn't be mad that the chiefs fifth corner. Isn't better. Um, I, I have been talking about the chiefs that the chiefs should address the cornerback spot for like three years now. The only thing the Chiefs and I have agreed on at corner in the last several years was that they should have cut David Amerson before giving him any real opportunity. <laughs> we agree on that front. Basically everything since then, I've been like, they should do this. Brett Beach was like, I'm actually going to do that. And that's, you know, that's fine. Um, I don't think people should ask me what the Chiefs should do at corner anymore, though, because I've never been right about it. I've never, Brett Beach and I have never fully been on the same hey, page. Hey, which you is and again, me both, man. Okay. You and me both. I wanted them to trade for Patrick Peterson. Yeah, and I I still think that would have been a pretty good thing to do, but we're here now. And I mean, look, the the depth be, being an issue, they 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 lost the three guys who I think would have started week one at this point with Hamilton going out. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish they had a young corner, maybe one they could have drafted at the end of the first round or something like that. Uh, that they, they could be you know looking at developing over the course of several years to be a lockdown guy that you don't have to worry about. That's never been Veach's mo. That's never been what Spags has wanted to do. I understand all that. Where are you guys at with the cornerback position, kind of as a whole, as we don't know exactly how long Trevarius Ward will be out and uh, and Bashad Breeland will be missing at least two more games, or he'll be missing two more games. We also don't really know what Hamilton's status is. I get the sense that. Um, there may be a chance for Traverius to play against uh, the Ravens on Monday Night Football. I, I know um, there was a slim chance that he could have played yesterday, but the team thought better of it because, you know, it's only the second game of the season. Um, I, I I know that Rashad Fitton 
um, wants to have the ability to play on the outside. He did make one good snap, which was tackling Mike Williams in the fourth quarter on third down, one yard short um, of the of the of the first down. Excuse me, but I think for the team as of now, the bigger question is: Can Antonio Hamilton play, and will that force either Bo Peep Keys into the lineup, or can Charvarius Ward sort of um, put himself back on the field and be? you know, um, just a competent football player with essentially one hand because he has a fractured left hand at the moment um, that he's recovering from. So it's it's a it's a dicey situation. Um, you know, Tedrick Thompson played a decent amount of snaps yesterday, and so that should give mm-hmm. you a sense of, like, where Steve Spagnuolo is with the, with the secondary, where it's like, hey, we're playing three safeties just as much as we're playing three corners. I will double-check that more as I look at the film uh, later today and tomorrow. But, like, you're going to see more Tedrick Thompson. Uh, hopefully, Dan Sorensen will tackle much better um, mm-hmm. next week against the Ravens as well. But I think he he's leaning more well. on – say what? He usually tackles well. He, you know? he does. So, he's usually, as of right now, leaning more on the safeties, which is a healthier position than the cornerbacks. And that may stay the same next week as well. Seth, do you have anything you wanted to add on that topic? I would say um, – so, I, I think – I was listening to a lot of this. Like, I think Nate makes some some good points in terms of the overall thing. One thing I'm curious about is if the Chiefs had drafted a cornerback in the first round and he was forced into action by a couple injuries and he played really well, all things considered, would people still feel like the Chiefs haven't done enough? And the reason I say that is like because Legarius Sneed has done precisely that, but because he wasn't drafted in the first round, it's just not given the same. It's kind of treated more like luck, which I think is fair. Because <laughs> I mean, the, the right. draft is kind That's... of a crapshoot. And so for me, mm-hmm. it's hard for me with the whole. Because I, you and me, it's kind of funny because I, I end up feeling sometimes like I end up taking both sides of an argument, which I'm perfectly comfortable with. I'm a lawyer, but I don't like doing it all the time. <laughs> And so it's one of those things where I wish they would have done more to address it. I just don't know if anyone that they could have taken at 32 would be playing as well as Legarius Sneed is playing right now. And so it's hard for me to be upset that they drafted seemingly a good player in the fourth round and also got a good player in the first round. So that opportunity costing just isn't biting as hard for me because they do have a young corner on the roster that they are developing, that they do have a lot of hopes in, that he's going to be able to maybe one day be a lockdown guy. He just didn't get drafted in the first round. And so, again, that's more luck. At least I think so. There's no way. Well, maybe there's a way, I guess. Brett Veach was like, hey, guys, so I got this corner that I think is a first-round talent but I'm pretty sure he's going to fall to the fourth round. Like, there's no way he's that good, right? Like, that right. nobody's that good. Um, the draft is largely luck in a lot of ways, even af- after, like, the first or second round. So that's one reason why, like, all the anger yesterday kind of irritated me a little bit because it's just one of those things. Plus, I tend to be more, it's like, man, they just won the Super Bowl. Just relax a little. Just relax. Now, was I relaxing? No, I was <laughs> screaming at my television <laughs> to make a tackle, and what are you guys doing? And none of this would have happened if you just would have... And, like, <laughs> my wife's looking at me. She's like, I thought you said that uh, you felt like after a Super Bowl win, and everything was gravy after that. And I was like, woman, I can't be held accountable for the things that come out of my mouth. Like, what are you? 
this is how I end up eating ghost peppers and whatnot. Like, I just say anything. <laughs> so I, I do think that they have addressed the quarterback situation to an extent. I do think they knew Bashad Breeland was going to get suspended, and I'm suspicious if maybe they hoped that it would be similar to Pinnell's, like, two-game suspension and end up being just a little more than that. And they thought, you know, we really like what we've got on our board here. I don't know. I wish they would have been a little more aggressive with the depth stuff, but you can't. You know, you can't plan for losing Ward and Hamilton to injuries, I think. Um, just because if you start if you start going down that road, I just I feel like you're getting just a little too much in the weeds. You know what I mean? Where it's just like, mm-hmm. well, what if we lose our, our you know, two of our corners that we're planning on playing a lot? It's like, well, yeah, but you know, what if you lose three of them then? You know, and, and so mm-hmm. I but at the same time, you know, the the Hamid, the old adage, you know, old adage, I maybe it's a newer adage, you can never have too many cornerbacks. I agree with that mm-hmm. too. So I find myself a man torn asunder in that <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm, I'm I'm a man without a country right now in in terms of that argument, um, but yeah, it's a lot more fun to just watch Patrick Mahomes hit, throw the ball 53 yards down the field on a freaking into a bucket over and over than to think about that stuff. Well, we will uh, we'll run from our problems and embrace our good <laughs> feelings here momentarily, but not until I tell you about a magical experience that I had this week. I'm going, to, I'm going to describe this experience to you, and Goodness. you're going to say, wow, Josh, you did not oversell that. That sounds magical. I, uh, I opened my front door, and there was a box at my door. Now, that in and of itself is not a strange occurrence because I like use Amazon and stuff because I uh, you know, contribute to the machine that I fear. So I have no self-control, though, so I buy things from Amazon. This was not an Amazon box. In fact, this was a box that had a brand name on it that I had recognized, but that I had never actually pulled the trigger on, even though I had thought about it a couple times. It sort of slipped my mind. The box said Magic Spoon. Mm-hmm. Now, you may say, hold on. This does sound magical. I I, uh, I bring this in. I open it thinking maybe there'll be like a note in here or something. This is great because I know what Magic Spoon is, and it's a cereal. And having a box of cereal show up at my doorstep, it felt sort of like a fall time Christmas. Well, I opened it up and it wasn't a box of cereal. It was four boxes of cereal. My day was, was like improved by a million percent because magic spoon was getting ahead of, uh, of the ad that we're going to have for them in a future episode, which is here right now. So I get to tell you about cereal, which is so good for me. I, I, I obviously like childhood cereal, top shelf, a one great childhood experience. I'm still in the cereal game right now, although I have kind of like, I've eaten a little bit less. So I, sometimes I think, you know what I could really get down on right now? I could really, I could really chat out on some Count Chocula at this point, but also I'm 25 years old and I don't think, I think I would be like put on a list if I bought Count Chocula at a store and also a list might be a doctor's visit. But so what, what am I going to do instead? Well, this is where Magic Spoon comes in and delivers a product that I can personally vouch for, one of the four flavors. I've only had one so far, and I'll be around for the other ones very soon. I'm going to give you one flavor per episode at this point. But they are a cereal that has zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, only three net grams of carbs in each serving. It's grain-free. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, soy-free, low-carb, GMO-free. 
they have four flavors in these variety packs. And you, I think you can get them all individually also, but I would suggest the variety pack because it's a new thing. You should try it. They have a cocoa, a fruity one, a frosted, and a blueberry. Fruity looks like they're maybe, they're all in loop form. I'm not going to say any other words around that because I don't want to accidentally step on any brand toes. But cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. I immediately, immediately opened the cocoa one and I, I, I poured like a little snack size bowl of it, you know, just like to kind of eat it dry. Cause I was feeling a little, was feeling a little, uh, a little snacky. Mm-hmm. Like I'd like something chocolatey, but I, but I, I had some, I'm like, Oh, you know what? It really, it's not, it's not like super sugary, but it scratched the chocolate itch I was looking for right then. And I, I, so I had a bowl and I was like, you know what? That was pretty good. And then I had another little bowl of it. And you know what? I think this is really good. And then I had a third little bowl of it. And I thought, I like this cereal very much. And I'm only one quarter of the way through uh, all of the, the flavors. So if you are interested in checking this out, it's also like, they're, I know this isn't important. Their packaging is good. It's very fun and very whimsical. And it makes me feel, it made me feel good to open it. Got a little bit of that, that open up a new flavor of cereal kind of joy. I'm all about it. And if you want to get uh, your first taste of Magic Spoon, you can go to magicspoon.com slash time to grab a variety pack and try it today. Use our code TIME, T-I-M-E, at checkout to get free shipping. I love a free shipping promo code. It takes all the guesswork out of it. How much is it actually going to be? It's going to be what it says on the website. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. My hope is that you will then send it to me and I will have more Magic Spoon. That's magicspoon.com slash time and use the code TIME for free shipping. I, I have nothing but love in my heart for Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast, and I very much look forward to trying the next few flavors that I currently have sitting on top of my refrigerator. Frosted and cocoa are delicious. Oh, oh, the frosted one I'm so excited for. you not tried the other two yet? I have not, but I will by the okay. next podcast episode. I'm very I'm trying not to open all of them at once. I'm trying to I'm trying to have that delay gratification and serial gratification is such a good form of gratification. Anyway, that's uh, magicspoon.com slash time. Grab the variety pack. Nate says he's vouching for two. I'm vouching for Coco just because the other ones aren't open yet. Very excited to have Magic Spoon with us on the podcast. Yes. So here's a transition to the next one then. We're just going to, it just, you know, it just a very, another very important product. Just the tone's going to be a little bit different because we're now talking about erectile dysfunction. Maybe you've settled in and you've got, you know, you got your cereal game figured out. You got your breakfast. You've handled your morning business. Maybe you need to handle your evening business. And talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. We're going to make it easy, though. We Don't brush it off. It says usually you brush it off. Don't brush it off. Don't blame yourself. Don't say things like, I lost my mojo. Or avoid talking about it altogether with excuses like, oh, I had a long day at work. Or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. I don't need it. Or, or, you know, hey, I didn't have my uh, my appropriate healthy cereal for breakfast this morning. That made me feel good throughout the rest of the day. And so I'm just, I'm feeling groggy. None of those excuses. Because you have Roman now. It's easy to talk about. You hear us talk about it every damn show. We're gonna, Hey, listen, I'm going to say, ready? Erectile dysfunction, erectile dysfunction, erectile dysfunction. I said it three times. You can definitely say it once. With a real healthcare provider, a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet to fix this issue with Roman. You can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash time and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. 
Go to GetRoman.com slash time today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash time. GetRoman.com slash time. Also, one more thing. This one's another good one for you. If you are listening to this podcast, you are enjoying a product from The Athletic. Maybe you haven't subscribed for uh, to The Athletic yet in written form. You're missing all the great work that Nate and Seth are doing. You're missing everything going on throughout across all of The Athletic. Where we have every sports story that matters where you can join for just $1 a month. There's exclusive in-depth coverage of this wild, unprecedented sports season that's now back in the groove. There's so much sports going on. If you want to be able to absorb all of that goodness, you can subscribe now and save. Uh, I think that the three of us are quite glad to have Patrick Mahomes and the rest of sports back in our lives. Uh, Can I go around the room? Seth, are you happy to have Patrick Mahomes in sports in your life? I am so happy to have Patrick Mahomes in sports in my life. Nate, do you concur? I'm thrilled. Freaking thrilled. (laughs) So if you want to make sure you don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season, subscribe now and save. Sign up to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash timesars, you can receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month or a pound, one pound per month. Also noted in the copy if you're in England. Sports are back and you won't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite team. So go to theathletic.com slash times ours or time sours to receive an all access subscription for just $1 a month. We hope to see you there. Uh, we, we mentioned before the uh, the ad break that I, I did want to talk a little bit about some of the things on the offensive side of the ball, maybe some things that, that do or don't worry you for the long term. Seth, I know you're going to talk a little more, write a little more about Mahomes and how he was maneuvering in the pocket yesterday. What did you see? What did you find interesting there? Um, I'll need to, you know, be able to actually have access to the all 22 and take a look. So I'm couching everything in that. So Friday, Friday or Saturday. We yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man, I posted last week's, uh, Patrick Holmes review on Sunday morning, which I mean, like, I think people seem to enjoy having something to read as they waited for football, but I was like, good Lord NFL. Anyway, yep. um, I'll need to look and see what it looked like down the field. There were a couple things there. Uh, Mitch Schwartz didn't have a good game for him, as far as I can tell. But again, you know, I really want to see the Madden cam angle. But Mahomes, a few times at least, made both his tackles' lives a little harder. He was dropping back pretty far. And it's impossible for me to know what's being called, right? They have some plays where they ask him to drop back much farther than a quarterback normally would. But like on, say, like the Joey Bosa sack, right? I don't know how Mitch is supposed to protect that um, mm-hmm. with Mahomes dropping back that far unless it's called that way. And even if it's called that way, I don't know how you beat Bosa to that spot because it basically allows him to run in a straight line towards yes. the quarterback, Where yeah. whereas as a, as a tackle, you can't get in the way in time. Part of the deal is that you got to force them to try to bend the edge, and then you push them wide. And so Mahomes wasn't stepping into the pocket as much. I think part of that was Tillery was really helping them in terms of providing some interior pressure. But when I was watching, I felt like Mahomes had some pockets to step into and didn't. Now, obviously, this is just after me gushing over how incredible Mahomes is, but that is one area that he's acknowledged he needs to work on. It's really hard for him, I think, to not just back up knowing he can make any throw, right? Mm-hmm. Are you eating cereal? <laughs> Why do you have to put him on blast like that? <laughs> All the, we let your kid run into the room. We kept talking about you that thing. 
it and just you sounded, hear Nate take one delicious scoop I, of magic spoon. It sounded so much like cereal that I just had to ask because my wife gets so mad at me when I eat cereal at night. If like it's well, not in our new house because our new house has like different areas. But like I would eat in the living room at our yeah, old do house. Do you have a cereal room in your new house? Well, yeah, yes. No, it's just the bedrooms are upstairs and the living room and kitchen are downstairs. And so it's, it. it's, it's, I like to think of the kitchen as the cereal room. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's good. It's the cereal and pizza room. So, but anyway, she would get so mad at me because I'd be eating. It'd be like one in the morning. I'm like, man, I want some cereal. I, we got Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I'm going to eat some Cinnamon Toast Crunch. This was before this new option that we now have, of course. Before you knew about Magic Spoon. Be, be, yeah. Before Magic which Spoon. Now, which now, now you can have cereal at 1 a.m. and not go into a diabetic shop. <laughs> <laughs> which is and great. She would get so mad at me because she's like, why do you eat? How do you eat cereal so loudly? I was like, I, I, I don't know. And so that's why, like, the clinkling of the spoon. Anyway, um, what was I? Oh, he <laughs> Seth's mouth is watering. He had a Pavlovian so response hungry. to the clinking noises. Um, so Mahomes has acknowledged he has an issue, and I think it's hard for him knowing that if he bails out of the pocket, he can move defenders where he wants to move them, knowing he can make any throw he needs to make on the run, case in point, that, that touchdown to Tyreek, which is still... You could watch football for 10 years if it's not Mahomes and not see a throw that good. Like, you probably yeah. would. Like, eventually maybe see Rodgers make one that good or something. But there are some quarterbacks that will never make a throw like that. Most quarterbacks. Anyway, so I think it's hard for him to step into the pocket because it limits him somewhat in terms of manipulating defenders. And we talked about that, how he, how he moves to get defenders to move. And you can't do that in the pocket. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it's hard for him to not just back up further and, and bail out left and right. But the against really good edge rushers, and this is the same with San Francisco, right? Really, really good edge rushers. Normally the Chiefs tackles are able to win or at least stalemate against really, really good edge rushers. It's a little more problematic. Um, and so that was a little bit that was tough for him throughout the first three quarters, of course. He solved it like he always does because it wasn't just the amazing throw to Hill down the stretch, right? It was also, I mean, he just moved the offense, right? Started yep. making throws yeah. and timing and all this stuff. It found holes in the zone. I'm so curious what changed because it wasn't just the incredible plays. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, the, the the 15 yards to Kelsey, the 14 yards to Watkins, which that was a dirty hit, by the way, that put him out of the game. I don't like that. He was on his way. Yeah, I was really surprised it didn't yeah. get called, and- honestly. Andy saying anything after a game. Yeah. Indication. During an injury report, too. He did not get asked about it. That was during the injury yeah. report. He, he was uh, – that for Andy Reid is, like, calling a dude out. Like, that – he was irate. Yeah. Like, and, and really, yeah. he was on his way to the ground. Like, the hit didn't even – I get it. Sometimes when guys are on their way to the ground, you got to hit them to try to slow their momentum. I get that. Football's a game of inches. But that didn't even affect the play. It just cracked yeah. him upside the head. So, anyway – yeah, I, I, he was he was making these adjustments, and I'm curious what they were. But early on, throughout the game, mostly the pocket presence was a little problematic, and it's going to be interesting because you know, incoming is Calius Campbell and the Baltimore Ravens. Nate, what did you see on that front? For the offense, I was a little interested in Osimile coming back to reality in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, particularly in the running game, which is he's mostly known for. Um, the situation got a little out of hand to where they couldn't hand the ball off to Clyde edwards Alaire in those sort of light boxes that was referenced so much um, on the CBS broadcast. And I also want to think, too, um, I know a lot of people are, are looking for McCole Hardman to take the next step, and that's clearly understandable. Um, but there were a couple times where you could see the miscommunication between him and Mahomes, and even Mahomes telling him, like, dude, I, I need you to be at this spot, not at that one. 
Um, and so that gives me some sense of like, okay, maybe this is why Demarcus Robinson, a more veteran player who has been in year four of the system, year four, year five, I can't remember now, but like, you know, that is might that might be the reason why he's getting more snaps right now is because there's still some things to iron out with, with McColl in terms of intermediate stuff, not deep stuff. He's pretty good at that. Um, obviously his catch kind of made up for everything <laughs> the two-point conversion catch <laughs> it was a great is, catch. is a bonkers is a is an amazing catch like you should look at andrew uh not andrew Wally, you should look at um austin Ryder's reaction as the play like occurs right in front of him because he's just like wait what um so but cole sort of made up for all of his issues with that catch but there's still stuff to be worked out in the intermediate zone just watching the game live and kind of watching the comeback um, briefly as I was writing my story last night, where it's just like, okay, maybe this sort of gives reasons as to like maybe why he's not getting an increased level of snaps just yet. Um, that could obviously occur later in the year. But Demarcus Robinson is still dropping passes. Tyreek Hill basically said that because he had low energy, he couldn't catch the ball in the first half. So um, there should no there should not be an excuse on Monday a week from now uh, when yeah. it is the most pivotal and most coveted matchup in the entire AFC Monday night primetime Ravens versus Chiefs Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson right now is 0 for 2 but I feel like this is the new rivalry that the AFC will have to sort of uh get its hands around for the next couple of years at least because the Ravens are obviously trying to catch up and dethrone the Chiefs much like the Chiefs were trying to do the same last year with the Patriots um but the Marcus Robinson, if he could just catch the ball just a little bit better, that would be good for the overall offense. Um, Tyreek Hill got into some cramps. Uh, he's got to stay hydrated. But, man, he ran a ton yesterday because they were trailing and things got very chaotic at the end. And then not just the tackles, which Seth mentioned before, but if you're going to run the ball and get that level of balance that you want, um, Kalichio Simley has to play a little bit better than what he did, you know, on Sunday, and Andrew Wiley and those guys need to have less penalties. But I think there are little things. And this is what makes it so hard, I think, for fans. It's the littlest of things that can disrupt the offense. It's not. It's Absolutely. never the defense, unless it's like Joey Bosa just, you know, being really good at football. But usually, it's never the defense overwhelming the Chiefs offense. Like, that rarely happens, i.e. the Super Bowl. Um... It's the littlest things that disrupt them, and then the Chiefs kind of get inside their own heads, and then they need to look at the scoreboard and realize they're down double digits. And then things start to, like, come back into a sink. It is a weird thing about this team that has been the trend. Um, The end result is usually good, like Sunday, but it's the little things that I think disrupt this offense much more than anything the defense does or anything the defense does particularly well on a certain snap, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one other thing from the other side of the ball that I literally just remembered, Frank Clark went out with an illness again yes. that happened last year. We, we something to keep an eye on. We just didn't mention that on the defense. Yeah, I, I, um, but I, I think Andy will probably, ahead, hopefully, Andy will give us some information on that uh, later today in his sort of usual Monday conference call after a road game. But um, and if that does happen, I'll, I'll obviously include it in, in the story today on uh, Harrison Bucket for the Athletic. But yeah, bit concerning. Need, need, need Frank Clark and Chris yeah. Jones to to be at their at their best on Monday against um, the the most dynamic quarterback not named Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson. Yeah, 
Um, I will. I know that Nate. Also, you want to talk about Anthony Lynn. I'm putting that. That's going to be our, our closer. I know we're already running long here a little bit, but you mentioned Clyde there a little bit. The offensive line taking a step back. Do we want to talk about the running game at all? Did, do you have anything on that in particular, Seth? You know, I I haven't had a chance to really look at it. It was very interesting to me. Um, they ran a couple times early and looked like they were on their way to another successful day doing it. Yes. And and then they went away from it. And it was one of those situations, it's really tough when you've got a team that is going three and out or five and out or whatever, right? Because it limits the number of plays that you actually see. And, and so it's with offense, success begets success because it begets opportunity. And you didn't have as much of that. It was interesting to me. They, they kind of limited things. The Chiefs didn't really control the line of scrimmage, as far as I could tell. And I thought Edwards Hilaire did a pretty decent job when he got the ball. But they definitely did more of a, a running back timeshare than I expected. Yeah, um, shout out to Darwin Thompson, fourth and one, sir. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah, littlest I, guy I, on the the littlest guy at the position. They're just like, yep, here you go, take it. <laughs> I, I said that to my wife that that was hilarious that that he converted that because I was like, because that dude weighs like a buck eighty five soaking wet. Now it is a buck eighty five of solid absolute like <laughs> there's just they, that just man, say it just say the thing you said last just say it the is, thing you said last week you're, you're absolutely it. right i will say it it is 185 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal that is darwin <laughs> thompson <laughs> poor nate poor nate wasn't here he's like what anyway um and, and so he, he's a strong dude for his size but it was interesting you know Edwards Hilaire got the first run early that looked great and you're like oh hey this is gonna go well and he had a couple runs where I thought it could have been fine I do think you saw a few rookie flashes here where there was one time he could have taken the edge and he cut back inside another time where he chose as his move to cut back outside it was a spin rather than just cutting and so it was it was definitely a more growing pains game than it was at least with regards to running the ball than it was last week. Um, on the plus side, they got him involved in the passing game, which was nice to see. And he showed killer hands. Like, mm-hmm. that, I mean, for one, you know, the one catch that didn't end up counting, which really still bums me out because that was such a great play. Um, it was a real weak holding call on Wiley, too. Anyway, but the uh, that final catch that he made that, you know, brought them a little closer, and then they ruined it with a false start, and it was a whole deal. Yep. Man, he got rocked on that play and just snatched yeah. the ball away from the defender. And those are the things that I kind of want to see a little bit here, getting him more involved. So the run game, it just it was what it was. You know, when you can't control the line of scrimmage at all, they, they, they didn't even try to, like – it was kind of like, not that they gave up on it, but they didn't really try to. It was like, well, that's not working, and on to the next thing. Right. and, and it, I'm going to sneak in. Just, yep. go, go ahead. ahead. No, no. I'm, I, I know okay, I'm gonna just, a lot of this was like, well, if Clyde's not working, and, and this is something to keep track of moving forward, like if Clyde and the offensive line aren't working, the next best thing kind of is Josh's established to Travis Kelsey. Because like nine yes. catches, ninety yards, like ten, ten, ten a clip, kids. Like if yeah. that, like he's like an extension that. of the Makes running game from an efficiency standpoint that gives them a little bit of statistical cushion. I, I, I guess is the best way mm-hmm. of saying that. So again, Kaleche Alcimbali came back to earth. It was bound to happen. By the way, kids. Uh, the Houston Texans are not as good as the San Diego. Or God, I was gonna say it. They're <laughs> not as good as the Los Angeles Chargers, y'all. Hell. F it. They're not as good as the San Diego Chargers. 
Yeah. They, <laughs> they're definitely – it was just that interior line. It just wasn't as good. And they, like you said, they, they kind of went the – maybe they've been listening to you, Josh, because I like that. They were like, well, he had a great first run. Then they got bottled up a few times. You know what we need to do? We need to establish the Kelsey. And they just so they moved along. The, the one like the one fifteen second take I want to throw it at the very end of the podcast after being handed so many bowls of poop to eat last week is the one the, the thing that you mentioned there is totally good analysis, but it goes back to a larger discussion about the running game and how how much that does rely on how your offensive line is performing and that the the individual difference in talents from the running backs moves the needle less than you might think it was like it was, it was Saquon Barkley in week 1 right no one thinks he's anything but a great running back but back in week 1 now he's out for the season which Sadly, sucks yeah. but but back in back in week 1 like he was totally unproductive because the giants were losing to the line of scrimmage a bunch i mean that's just that can derail great running backs and and great running backs can can accentuate great offensive lines right you can be you can be more explosive none of this speaks to Clyde as a receiver at all you guys know i have no argument there i don't want to argue against that i i hope we see much much more of that um but that is a recurring part of the conversation with running the ball where individual backs don't move the needle as much uh, as as how your offensive line is performing often does. So that's all. That's all. I think that's just, all. I think he just I'm not going to make a big honestly. thing of it. That's all. What? I think he just played worse. Honestly, he had a couple of he had a couple runs where he had an opportunity. And he just didn't do it. But that might go to the same thing. Maybe it's less. Uh, maybe it's less predictive week by week. So that could go to the same argument for sure. But but whenever you look at an offensive line though that's losing at the line of scrimmage, that that is. I mean, yeah, I would say that's the most predictive element of it oh, is yeah. how your offensive line is performing. Absolutely. You'll never anyway. get an argument from me there, my friend. Well, maybe I unless, I, unless I feel like arguing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really, I think it's really more about that. Uh, last thing, we're running long, but that's, you know, I think it's probably okay. Nate, you wanted to talk about Anthony Lynn, and I literally wrote down three different things that I thought you could be wanting to talk about here, so I'm excited to see which one you latched on to. Um, I respect the hell out of Anthony Lynn. He is a very good coach. Obviously, the Chargers have been the most competitive in the division against the Chiefs. All of that being said, it's fourth and one. If you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in overtime, just just mm-hmm. just walk off the field. Secondly, <laughs> if like secondly, if fans want to do this, I am highly encouraging it because you know I cover a team that comes back in dramatic fashion a lot, and I have to rewatch these comebacks to sort of better inform you of of what occurs. Um, in the playoffs last year, Mike Vrabel after the run, looked at the Jumbotron as if he was looking at a new language that was just created. (laughs) If you look at the Super Bowl, after Wasp, Robert Sala, one of the best defensive coordinators in all of football, put his hands on his knees, bowed his head, and then (laughs) lifted his head, and you can see this, ladies and gentlemen, because it is on NFL Films, where Robert Sala literally says to himself, oh, my God. <laughs> and in the last, most recent comeback win for the Chiefs, after the absurdity of two of his best throws in his entire career, think about what I just said, folks. Patrick Mahomes rolls to his right, drops the ball into the bucket for Tyreek Hill. It's a touchdown. And then does some wizard, I don't know what the hell to call it, on the two-point conversion play to McCole Hardman. 
After those two moments, Anthony Lynn, God bless him, looked at his players, had no words of encouragement, turned around (laughs) and put his mask over his face and just walked off the way (laughs) to get ready for for the special teams kickoff. That was the moment where Anthony Lynn knew, boys, it ain't going to be our day. And I just want to encourage you all, (laughs) from now on, these are NFL coaches. These are guys who are supposed to lead men into getting them to play at their absolute best at the most critical moments. And Mike Vrabel had nothing to say because he was reading a new hologram hieroglyphic. What in God's name was that run? Robert Sala's out here like, we're the best team in football at defending the long pass. And I, <sighs> Jesus, what was that? And then Anthony Lynn, the best coach of the division, not named Andy Reid, was just like, yeah, let me put this mask back on and try to understand how in the world we can win this game now. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. John Harbaugh? I just, I don't know. I don't know. That, just just keep it in mind if you watch it on Sunday, on Monday Night Football, because the television cameras have started to learn, okay, the Chiefs mm. do something. Let's look at some of the coaches on the other sideline. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's live cut. One thing I always appreciated with that moment with Vrabel is, like you said, he's got that look that is just like, what? What like it wasn't even what did I just see? It was like literal a total can't comprehend what just happened moment. But he yeah. at the very end, at the very end, he grinned a little. He he had the, a shocked like I can't believe I just saw that. Just this moment of like holy crap appreciation because yeah. Mike Vrabel is if you were to look up football guy in the dictionary. <laughs> there would just be a picture of Mike Vrabel, right? Or I'm sorry, football man in the dictionary. It would be a picture of Mike Vrabel. And he's a football guy who appreciates football things. But I love that. And shout out to Anthony Lynn. Here's what I don't get. And I, man, if I don't go in the next 30 seconds, my wife's going to string me up as we sit here at the lake. She's going to drown me and never come back for me. But right after... It'd be weirder if she drowned you and did come back for you, I think. Yeah, right? yeah props me up as some sort of trophy. Um, yeah. Anthony Lynn, after witnessing... I'm leaving. The, I'm not making a joke. I hit bail. I had to say out loud that I wasn't going to make a joke about that. I wanted to make a joke about that so bad. After witnessing this from Patrick Mahomes, Anthony Lynn still decided that the right move on fourth and less than one. Well, maybe a ta- round <laughs> maybe, one. Maybe is, just, let's just call it. Let's just call. It, let's just round it to a one. To a one yeah, yard. Fourth on it's fourth and one, and you got to ask yourself this question: What is more likely that you gain one yard, or that Patrick Mahomes marches his team down the field? Like I don't understand how you witnessed what he witnessed and thought. You know, I think we can stop him, guys. Because, I, and I get it. Yeah. They had done a great job most of the game. But he had seen the rest of this game. I don't know what makes you think. He had he had seen third and 20. He had seen it happen. And he was still like, oh, I don't know. That one yard's just too risky, guys. It didn't matter. And that's where that old school philosophy of field position mattering so much. That is not true with Patrick Mahomes. That is, that is just, it's not the field position, it's the possession. And they never should have given the ball back. So, yeah. 
Well, on that on that powerful, well, yeah, that will end this episode of Time Zars here on the Athletic. I'm... Nate or Seth had some great analysis, and then and then fell on his face on the landing because he was so afraid of his wife, who's behind him right now with a machete. I'm in a closet uh, so hiding. We... <laughs> I'm trying to get changed as we talk because I want to be able to come out the door saying, "No, look, honey, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready." Well, you can. Here's what you can do: If you are not yet subscribed to the Athletic, go to theathletic.com/timesars. You can join for a dollar a month. You can also follow follow all of us on uh, on Twitter. Uh, I'm at JB Briscoe, where I just tweeted out the thing that I made in honor of something Seth said earlier on the podcast. You can follow Seth at Real MN Chiefs fan. Nate is at By Nate Taylor. Nate, you can uh, you can end the show for us now if you'd like, or you can look at my Twitter to see what I made for Seth. I will do that after we're done with this. I just okay. <laughs> It's okay. It is. It's pretty incredible. Go go check out Josh's thank you Twitter account, um, and the and the new and the new media in on, on his tab. Um, and then secondly, just remember, don't don't upset Harrison Bucker. Just 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 try not to upset a really good kicker. Just you know, like think of Harrison Bucker as a linebacker now. You don't want to upset that man. He will kick the football through those uprights harder and farther than um. Then, 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 then you have the territory of which to give up. So, shout out to Harrison Bucker. Don't make that man angry.